Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter.com at Braden Gall or Blue Sky at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Blue Sky or Instagram at Scavendish. If you like this show, the one you're listening to right now, uh, you can read it, you can review it, you can subscribe it, to it. All of those things help people find us. But most importantly, uh, just tell somebody that you know that you listen to Lamestream Sports and they should too. Teresa Walker, Hall of Famer from the AP, joining us today. She will be our guest. Two major stories, of course, in the Nashville media market over the last few days. That is the tragic passing of tight end and legend NFL player for the Tennessee Titans, Frank Wycheck, at 89 years old. We will remember him a lot with Teresa. She had a lot of opportunity to interact with him, both as a player and in the media, uh, of course. And the winter meetings were in town last week, which she also uh, covered. So we'll get to a lot of those two things uh, with Teresa Walker of the AP. Again, not every day, Steve, we have a Hall of Famer on the show, but she is a Tennessee Sports Media Hall of Famer. So there is that. Um, of course, concerning Major League Baseball, and I'm going to tell you my Frank Wycheck story here in just a second because everyone's got one, uh, but I'll tell you mine. And Major League Baseball, of course, winter meetings. The question I have for you, Steve, noted Chicago White Sox fan Sam Phelan, who, of <laughs> course, was on the show just a couple of weeks ago, Excellent job covering the Tennessee Titans. Wrote a long story about Major League Baseball being eminent in Nashville from A to Z Sports. The question I have for you, which we will discuss following our Teresa Walker interview, are they just the latest in a long list of distinguished Nashville media entities and reporters to get totally duped by the entire baseball to Nashville story, or did Sam stumble on some stuff that's worth discussing? We will will debate. Oh, we're going to discuss it. We will debate after our conversation with Teresa Walker. Before I tell you my Frank Wycheck story, and before we hear from uh, Teresa Walker, Steve, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the fine quarter zips at Jaspers. That is correct. Look, you guys know all the great things that Jaspers does for like regular, like a regular sports bar slash restaurant. You know, like great food, great atmosphere, great drink specials, free parking, the free game room, like all the stuff that makes them a great restaurant. They are also a great place to pick up some stocking stuffers, that last minute item you need for a coworker, for a work party, for an in-law, for a secret Santa, stocking stuffer for a significant other, or perhaps some children. They've got they've got food stuff in there. They've got beverage stuff in there. They've got little all local Nashville companies, Thistle Farms, Goo Goo Clusters, you name it, they're in there. Uh, and they've got great little options. So you go in there, you watch a Preds team that's way better than you think. You watch uh, Will Levis who is blossoming before our very eyes. You get, you get a great burger and a great beer. Then you walk through the market and you grab some Christmas presents. I'm not, I'm not sure what else the bar... I'm not, I'm not sure what else the next evolution of the sports bar can do for you. Jaspers, making the holidays great. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again. 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 Uh, okay, so I'll quickly do this and then we'll hear from Teresa because she had a lot of things to say about Frank Wycheck and 52 years old. Uh, fell at his house in Chattanooga. You guys kind of know most of the story at this point um, of the week, but pretty jarring um, to hit me personally, like many and like Teresa uh, on Sunday. And I'll just quickly, this is what sort of my first ever experience. I was in high school. I lived about four houses down from Frank Wycheck and I played football at Franklin High School. And for those that do not know the state of Tennessee, especially in Davidson County and, and Williamson County, uh, of the of the billions of dollars we spend on education, zero of it goes to athletics. <laughs> we spend zero money on athletics. For those of you that know, it's all self-funded. You got to beg, borrow, and steal. And so we had to sell these gift cards, these $20 gold gift cards. We had to go around the, the city of Franklin and the neighborhoods and all the people we knew. And on the back of them, you know, they gave like little discounts, right? Like, hey, here's a if you pay $20 for this card, you can use it at 20 different local businesses to get something out of the deal generally a 10% off or a 20% off or, hey, here's a free cherry limeade, you know, like if you use this, show this card at, at Sonic or whatever, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about, those, kind, those kinds of discount yeah. cards. Yeah. Yet each player for Franklin High School had to sell 20 of them. And I, I was about, this is 1998, I was a junior, uh, fall of 98 uh, or going into the fall of 98. And I, I was like, I'd sold like, I don't know, like seven seven or eight or something. And I had like 12 left and I walked up and I knocked on this on, on his door. I knew, I knew exactly who it was, of course. 
And he came to the door by himself and he says, Hey, hey, what's going on? And I said, uh, hey, I'm I'm so I'm so and so with Franklin High School. Um, we're raising money for our, our camp trip to to pre- in the preseason, you know, and for for the season. Would you be interested in supporting the Franklin High School Rebels, uh, the artist formerly known as? And would you like to, uh, you know, purchase a card for twenty dollars? Here's here's all the places that gets you a discount. He goes, How many you got left? I said, I got twelve. He goes, I'll take them all. So he bought all twelve. And I go, Oh my God, you know, thank you, Mr. Frank Wycheck, all all <laughs> all NFL <laughs> tight end <laughs> who plays it for the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. Uh, 16-year-old me is like, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. And 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 then he said, Next year, you guys think you're doing this again? I was like, Yeah. And he goes, Come back next year. I'll I'll take care of you. I was like, Oh, okay. Sure, sure thing, Frank Wycheck. Um, I of course I come back the next year in the fall slash summer of, of 99 going into my senior year. I've got all 20 of my cards. I go to his door first. Cause I'm not an idiot. And I go to his door first and I said, hello, Mr. Frank Wycheck. I'm so-and-so Franklin high school, do the whole spiel again. And he goes, yeah, I know who you are. How many you got? How many you got? I got, I got, I got 20. He goes, I'll take them all. And he gave me 400 bucks right there on the spot. And I, I turned all that money into the, to, to the, coaches and the administrators at Franklin High School to and, and out of the kindness of his heart certainly a drop in the bucket for a guy like that but was willing to do it without even thinking about it didn't even didn't even bat an eye at it and then in about 2016 when I got into local media at 102.5 and I started doing the morning show I ran, I would cross paths with them frequently I used to do some stuff for 104.5 I would cross paths with them and I said hey I you know when I first saw him again I was like hey I'm so and so i you know, I used to live in, in your neighborhood and you, man, you, you don't know this, but you helped me out in a big way back in the day when you, you know, just out of the kindness of your heart, bought all these silly, stupid gift cards from me. Uh, and, and he was like, oh yeah, I remember that. How was the team that year? <laughs> and I was like, we made the playoffs. And he's like, way to go, dude, way to go. And like, all I, that, that's like the only memory I need to have of Frank Wycheck. He's a complicated guy with, with lots of different parts of his story. But like the only way I need to remember him is as a 16 year old kid um, buying all my stupid gift cards to to try to help a a local high school football team, you know, make their budget. And uh, that was the kind of guy he was. Uh, just awesome. Just, just the kind of guy he was. So, um, <clears throat> uh, equally as good a person and complicated person as he was football player, and he was great. So, uh, with that in mind, we'll talk baseball after the interview. But I'll let Teresa pick it up and run with it from here. I was the first leg of the 400. She's going to be the last three legs of the 400 <laughs> here when, when when talking about Frank Wycheck. So here's our conversation with Hall of Famer writer from the AP, Teresa Walker. Welcome to the show, Hall of Famer, Teresa Walker. Teresa, how are you? I'm good. Tired. Uh, it's that kind of year. It's that time of year. It's crossover season, and I am trying to survive. Well, we do appreciate you giving us a few minutes, and we'll talk about the schedule. We'll talk about the winter meetings and how you're basically going from one end of the state to the other uh, at all times during this time of year, and we'll discuss that. But obviously, with the the, the, the tragic news of the passing of Frank Wycheck at 52 years old over the weekend, um, I, I thought I would at least start there because I don't know... I don't know anybody that's been in this town uh, that's worked in, in media that doesn't have some Frank Wycheck story. And you certainly have been around longer than most. So um, when you saw the news, you know, what was your reaction? We've seen that the family is going to sort of allow his brain to be studied moving forward. But just what do you think when you see that news, you see that headline come across the ticker? What is it that first goes through your mind? Well, actually, I, I was making brunch and uh, I, I looked at my phone and I saw the release from Teresa Halbrook's company, you know, and she used to work with the Titans. And I'll be honest, it it, it was a, a gut punch. I mean, when you cover somebody, it, it's just it's heartbreaking. OK, it, it, you know, because this is now think about this. Rob Barona, Steve McNair, Frank Wycheck, uh, Mike Heimerdinger. It's like you when you we spend a lot of time. Especially, you know, the NFL is at the top of my t- triage list. I spend most of my time on the NFL with the Titans. I've covered them since they moved to the state. And, you know, Frank was one of the, the, the trio, as I put it, you know, 
and that that when they became the Titans in 99 for a five-year period they were among the very best in the NFL and I think that you know there's so many newcomers to Nashville and to the middle Tennessee area they may not get how different it was like a, a switch was just flipped and they went from being completely ignored as the Tennessee Oilers in Memphis and Nashville at Vanderbilt to when they moved into that stadium and made that run the Music City Miracle his lateral you know, I had somebody on social media yesterday telling me he was you should have bled with the fact that he was a Titans great. Your headline was all wrong. And I'm like, the Music City Miracle, when the NFL celebrated its 100 years, the, the Music City Miracle that he threw the lateral for was the fourth best play of the league's first 100 years. So I'm sorry. I led with that. Excuse me. Uh, thanks for the backseat editing. But he he was just, I mean, a go-to guy, okay? Uh, you know, he, he talked after every practice, after every game, win or lose. I mean, and, and, and I, I reached out to Kevin Dyson yesterday, and, you know, and I didn't hear back from him until late last night. Understandably, he turned off his notifications. I mean, he was getting inundated, and I completely understand. But it's a gut punch, but I have to switch into gear because the rest of my colleagues – busy covering the tornadoes that hit Clarksville and Henderson and Madison. So there was nobody who had the bandwidth to write that. So I turn on my laptop and I'm writing the story and yeah, I'm human guys. I was writing it through tears, you know, because, you know, Frank, you know, we, if you spent any time around Frank, you know, you got to know him on some level and you, you you're not human. So yes, it, you know, it's one of those things, shut it down, Try to write this story, do the best job you can, and get this story out because his story deserved to be told as best as possible. So I think, like to your point, if you've been around him, uh, and I and I told this story on on a football show earlier this week, and and if you've been around him, everybody has that story. And you generally, and we've talked about this on the show, when you write for the AP, you have a very specific sort of edict on how you're supposed to write. I'm curious if I was giving you carte blanche to sort of tell us a personal story about a personal interaction or a personal moment that you remember that sort of illustrates the kind of person that he was. What, what do you have something that comes to mind that you would want to tell? Well, there are a couple things. When Wes Welker was uh, trying to come back with the Broncos from a concussion, I reached out to Frank and I said, is this something you want to talk about? And he did. Absolutely. And, you know, the release that came out mentioned that, you know, they're going to be, you know, he was very involved in wanting to make sure about CTE. Concussions ended his career prematurely. You know, he had an 11 year career as a six round pick out of Maryland, but he very much was always willing to talk about CTE and, and, and told me, uh, you know, for a story in 2017, I know I'm suffering through it. It's been a struggle. And I feel for all the guys out there that are going through this and, you know, his last game was the new England playoff loss and it was so cold. And, you know, he, he packed up his stuff. He knew his career was over. And, you know, he's shaking hands with the guys in the media. And, and yes, at that point, I, you know, I don't know if, uh, if we had, if Dawn was here at that point or Sarah Walsh, but I, at that moment, I was the one female in the, in the media corps. I got a hug from Frank, you know, and, you know, maybe that, you know, I, I've never thought about it being sexist or whatever, but I get hugs from the former Titans these days. Okay. And I, rather than a handshake. And, and I appreciate that. I, I see that as a sign of respect. And, and it was sad because we knew his career was over and guys, it, every time I talked to Frank, I would set the quotes aside because I knew that the news was coming because of the concussions, having seen the toll that it took on him and, and his career. And I just knew that what happened was going to happen. And, and, and it was heartbreaking because, you know, what, you know, I didn't want to be right. I wanted to be wrong. And that's the thing that was just probably the most heartbreaking to me of all. I love the NFL. I've been watching it since the seventies with my mom, when Ken Stabler and Bob, God, Bob, Bob Greasy wore glasses for God's sakes. When I was first watching the NFL, I love this game, but to see the toll that it takes on these men, is just it's heartbreaking has any of this made you kind of reevaluate how you see football uh you've been very close to these players you've seen frank and others uh, that have had long-term injuries and, and even if even if you 
even if you put a put aside CTE questions, I mean, you've seen some older NFL players who can kind of barely walk or who can who who have a hard time getting around, uh, and and there is there is a long term toll to be to be paid for playing the game. Even you know Frank had eleven years, but I mean a lot of those careers are four or five years, and they're done because of injury. So does it ever does it ever make you think twice, particularly after seeing you know something like this up close? Oh, absolutely. But when I talk to the players now, granted, players in the midst of it, you ask them, they'll they they make the trade off. They understand. They think they understand. You know, it's like I've got a chance with an NFL paycheck to change my family's life. And, and and they make that trade willingly. Now, it's great to see the the uh, the addition of guardian caps. Uh, you know, they've expanded it this year to the different positions, uh, you know, beyond the line to, you know, to help during offseason training and, and practices and training camp, you know, to try to help protect the brain better. So the NFL is doing more things to help protect them. But I, I, I you know, I had somebody a week ago question Traylon Burks. It's like, yeah, he was barely there. Why did they? even activating that young man is in his second year in the league and he's been knocked unconscious twice in two years and has, you know, he's barely played any games. And, you know, when you see somebody knocked unconscious, I mean, the hit in Philadelphia that he took, I mean, it was a hit to head. I'm still furious that there wasn't a flag to the play. It was a obvious hit to the head. I don't know how you don't call that as a hit on a defenseless receiver. Uh, so yeah, I see the toll and, and, and yes, it, 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 there's times where it feels like we're watching, you know, that we're the Romans watching the, you know, the, in the Coliseum watching athletes, you know, sacrificing themselves for us, but people, you know, these athletes, I, I, I would rather see maybe more older players, talk to college football players my my own nephew quit the game when he was a high school junior after his eighth concussion and he was being scouted by colleges because you know he was a really fast defensive end uh but his last concussion he was taken off a practice field uh, you know by ambulance so to end his college or his high school career yes my son plays rec league hockey and has had concussion issues and has actually got an appointment coming up. So, I mean, it's that trade-off money, fame, uh, the chance to change your family's life status. If you're poor and I grew up poor and if somebody's offering you a check with that many zeros, you're going to make that trade-off. So it's not an easy answer. Uh, I, I, I do love the sport. I do. I, you know, I don't have an easy answer guys. I wish I did. I love that the NFL is working more to try to address the situation, but you're, you're, you're never going to stop people from making that trade-off. I'm really glad you brought up the guardian caps because I think that's something that's really interesting. We are really aware of things that happen on our, on our television screens on Sunday, but there, a a lot of these, uh, a lot of players took hits over the years in practice that were just never, that we just never accounted for. Uh, and I'm sure uh, I'm, I'm sure Frank was the same way that, that he probably he probably did some things in the course of getting ready for a game that we never saw yep. that 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 could have that, that could have, you know, added to the toll that uh, the, the final toll that he received on the field on a Sunday. Absolutely. I mean, think back to uh, when Derrick Henry was removed from the game against uh Oh God, who did they lose to a week ago? The Colts. So think, uh, you know, they, they, he's taken out of the game, evaluated, taken to the locker room, isn't allowed to return. And, you know, he told it, you know, he was never, you know, he cleared the, the protocol, but wasn't allowed to return to the game. And when he, you know, he talked, he said, I, I respect the rules. You know, I got my bell rung. I felt okay to go back in, but he said, I felt like I had my bell rung. But he felt like he was able to go back in and the protocol did not allow him to go back in. And he, you know, that's the thing. He he was allowed to return to practice, uh, didn't officially enter the protocol, as they call it. So there are more things to do. And and Mike Vrabel is a guy. Guys, let's, you know, you know. Uh, his very first game in Miami, Taylor Lewan suffered a concussion and he simply told him like on that Monday, right after the game, the longest game in NFL history, you're not playing next week. You know, Mike Vrabel is a 14 year NFL veteran said, 
you know, you had a concussion, you're not playing next week. Took that off his, you know, took that decision out of his hand. So we're seeing, and that was in 2018. So we're seeing more things being done to help protect players from themselves. But, uh, you know, and, and, but that's the thing between practices and, and, you know, we see guys be going in, you see reports of, you know, left practice early and we never get an injury report on them because they may not have risen to the level that they needed to be added to the injury report. So, uh, you know, Derek Henry, we saw because, well, he's Derek Henry and it's really obvious when 22 is not on the field. But uh, they, they are doing more. I mean, you know, Mike Vrabel and I think some others, uh, you know, maybe the discussion and it will never, ever happen because of branding. But, man, could you imagine if the NFL went to guardian caps and games? You know, the, you know, the, the helmets are gorgeous. We love the, the different, you know, the, the throwbacks that uh, the Houston Oilers throwbacks that the Titans are wearing this year. But if they wore guardian caps and games, maybe that is a step in a discussion that they need to be having more seriously. Brand the guardian caps, put the, put, put, you know, decorate those and put those on the helmets. It, what's interesting is I, and I played, I played high school football at Franklin when Frank was kind of becoming the star and the Titans were becoming the thing that you were talking about. And I remember, and I, and I think, so I've, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a landing here with the question about the way players approached it all at that time. Cause I do think that players, you know, you and I were at SEC media days. I think the players that I talked to on the college level are far more aware of, of this stuff we you know practice time has been limited by both the nfl and the college rule book we've got all kinds of rule changes you, you talked about the protocols every now and then a thing like the tua situation happens where clearly the protocol breaks down and a player is put back into harm's way which is you know it is what it is sometimes it happens uh but i think i think i do think that there's a, a so much more awareness today that when you talk to young titans players or college players they get it and they understand at least the risk reward proposition that they are deciding on. I remember getting hit in like practice as a sophomore in like 1997 and just like, Oh, that was a crackback block. I can't see anything, but you don't tell anybody. You just get up and get back into the play. And I didn't know anything. Like I probably had four or five concussions total in, in three years of high school football. Do you get it? Can you try to explain to people how players approached that, like, do you have any sense of an, and when, when you're on the beat and the Titans come to town and you're covering the NFL more up close and personally for the first five or six years, let's say that window you're talking about 98 to 2004 or whatever, do you get us, can you explain how the players viewed or understood head injuries at that time? Well, I remember a game, I can't remember the specific opponent, but uh, Blaine Bishop took a hit and, you know, there used to be like three words that they would quiz them on. Well, he tried to, you know, from what I remember, he tried to memorize those three words so that he could parrot them back and, and get his helmet back because you wanted to be back in the game. You know, that drive, you know, that's the problem with being an athlete. You want to be back out there as soon as possible. You want to compete. You want to be there to help your team and not let your teammates down and so you're doing everything, you know, that thing about having to take their helmet away and hide it from them because otherwise they're going to try to get it and get back on the field. So, you know, it used, I, I think the words were something like bat, bell, cow or something like that. And if you remember, you know, if you could if you could remember those three words, then you could get back out on the field quicker. So, you know, so the evaluation process for the concussions has has, you know, progressed tremendously over the last 27 years. And, and, and you know, uh, when I was in Miami for the Super Bowl, uh, Kansas City and, and San Francisco, I did a story on the medical tent, you know, because, you know, we've all seen it. Everybody's got their different color. But, you know, uh, I went, you know, they took us inside the medical tent, you know, to, to explain why they've got the table in there so that they can do those uh, examinations, whether it's a knee, an ankle, or a concussion, and, and do it without 60,000, 70,000 people in the stadium watching and people on TV watching, and, and, and try to give that player some privacy to do a true evaluation to take that game element out of it as much as possible when you're on the sideline and, and, and give privacy to the player so that they can be a little bit more honest. Did, did you, did you get a sense like going back to that Blaine story though? I'm curious, like I, I, under, I get it, man. They all wanted to go back in. They all want to be there for their teammates. It, you know, it's why military personnel go back to the fighting when they don't have to is to be there for their teammates. I, I'm just, just, and we can actually, we could probably reach out to Blaine and ask him this question, but I'm like, we know the risk reward now. 
I think players know the risk reward now. And Frank, I'm, it's almost like Frank came to that realization at the end of his career. He understood the risk reward at the end of his career. I'm curious if they understood, if players understood as much. Because I didn't. I had no clue what the risk reward was in, in 1998. Like, do they have, does Blaine Bishop understand why he was, like, does that make sense? Like, do they even understand yes. the proposition at that point? I don't, I think that we've just learned so much more since then. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I can't remember the uh, defensive player's name, but there was one player who had a concussion for the Titans and he had to wear sunglasses for like a week or two because he was having such bad, you know, post-concussion symptoms. And, and that's the thing. Each person is different. And I think that it's just been a learning curve, you know, since the, you know, since the nineties, we've learned so much more about how the brain operates and how that it's not just you know when you get your bell rung it's not just yeah. a hit to the head it's the brain literally bouncing around inside the head and off of the skull that causes the damage and you know each hit is different and then you get the compounding factor so I, I do think that it's just been a, a matter of learning more and more since the late 80s and and yeah you you know back then it was you, you get your bell rung you shake it off you know, smelling salts guys I mean they used yeah. to you use those all the time in the seventies to just get guys back out there. Well, uh, you, you, we all know this Frank, Frank was open about this, this topic, but it is going to, there's very few people that dealt with it as severely as he did, who also were talking for a living every morning for like a decade to where we could actually study the cognitive decline over time. And I like, that is going to be a really interesting aspect to all of this tragic loss for the Titans community. You are listening to Lamestream Sports, a podcast about Nashville sports media and business, hosted by Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner. Sign up for good journalism, NashvilleBanner.com. And me, Braden. And it is brought to you by <laughs> Jaspers. Always brought to you by Jaspers. I was not, in fact, named after a dog like Jaspers was. Jaspers was named after a dog, although I guess I can't confirm that exactly. But I'm I was assuming to say I'm assuming I was named for after sure. <laughs> No, I think my dog, this is super ironic considering we were living in Wisconsin, but I believe the dog that was alive in my parents' household, my dad's dog when I was born, was named Dixie. <laughs> wow. I, th I think, which makes no sense for a family from the Midwest. <laughs> did they know they were going to end up in the South? Uh, maybe they did. Maybe they did. Or maybe I'm misremembering the name. Who knows? Go to Jasper's, which is the name of the little dog that sits on top of the bar right there. <laughs> the little, I think it's Jack Russell Terrier, um, Deb Paquette's dog, Jasper. That's where they get the name. And again, as I've told you guys before, I don't even need to talk about the wonderful flatbreads or the beautiful drink specials or the wonderfully free parking or all the other amazing things. Like, go into the grab-and-go market and look around. I guarantee you there are people in your life, all you people stress out about buying Christmas presents or Hanukkah presents or Best of Us for the Rest of Us or Happy Kwanzaa presents, I don't know, whatever you celebrate, go in there. I guarantee you, you will find something for somebody that you need. And it's a perfect little like not super expensive, but it's a perfect way to go like sort of round out. You know, they're like a good special teams player. The Nashville grab and go market. You got to have Ryan Stonehouse. Jasper's the Ryan Stonehouse of gift giving locations. I, I don't I don't I don't know quite where to go here. Do we go to the blown out the, the blown out left knee? Do we go to oh, the, just... the his boss that got fired? What are we what are we doing here? Just focus on the 62-yard average. <laughs> Rest in peace. May it please come back next year yeah, fully no, healthy. He'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But you need good special teams, right? You need good special teams in your Christmas gift giving, and Jasper's is a great place to sort of fill in the gaps. It's a great. It's it's truly a great place to do that. So I mentioned this last week. The uh, I went by went by Jasper's over the weekend. Uh, we went to we went to go watch uh, the MLS finals. Some some of us gathered there. Uh, and we were totally preempted by tornado coverage because Ooh, every yeah. local station went wall to wall. So we had to, we had to leave and go find a stream elsewhere. We were like watching the game on our phones there at the high top in the bar, uh, while we were eating a very good burger, I must say. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, without but, lettuce or pickles, by the way, you serial but, killer, but, but, but I did, uh, stop in the grab and go market. Picked up some Colts chocolate for the uh, for the uh, for the uh, other person in my house's stocking. 
and uh, <laughs> since I know she's not listening to this right now, and uh, uh, I'm very, very, very excited about this. So uh, again, you can even pull up the website there and and check out what they've got. They've got so much stuff in there: Goo Goo Clusters, Colts Chocolate, Frothy Monkey, eighteen eighteen Farms, Tennessee Peanut Company, Pandy Candy. Firepot Tea, Southern Fried Design Barn, Cotton Mule, Thistle Farms, Music City Suds, and other local vendors. Support local business and uh, fill out and, and de-stress your holiday shopping. All at Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. Look, Steve, I'm not going to let Steve ask a question about if... if baseball is coming to nashville i'm not gonna let him do that (laughs) thank you i'll give you the answer real quick no uh not (laughs) not unless somebody uh major league League baseball wants taxpayers to pay for the stadium and right now i think davidson county taxpayers are tapped out now if williamson county wants to step up uh somebody else uh we know there's tons of billionaires that live here that we don't even know about that live in the Nashville area that would probably be happy to step up. I mean, I saw a story in Tampa about how there was a billionaire from Nashville wanting to buy the Rays and, and move them here. And I'm like, I never heard of this guy. But Major League <laughs> Baseball wants taxpayer money to take care of the stadium. So until some but some taxpayer county wants to do that, no. I'll, I'll paraphrase the mayor here and earmuffs for all you kids out there. I'm just going to paraphrase Freddie O'Connell. Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> I'm, pa- it I'm won't paraphrasing. Be in Nashville. <laughs> no. Okay. So when, when you go to the winter meetings, they've been here. Maybe give somebody a, a quick, like, Cliff Notes version of like, they want a smaller market that's a little bit more sort of uh, entertainment driven. That's why they're all, that's why they're here all the time. What are you trying to accomplish? Um, it's sort of all these agents and GMs and owners and players and former players and media people. Although ESPN is clearly as an entity, not valuing it as much as they used to. All the other guys are down here, men and women, but what are you trying to accomplish when you're at the winter meetings? Well, thankfully some of my colleagues set me up because uh, you know, some of the teams limited availabilities just to their beat writers. And uh, Jenny McCauley is my colleague in the San Francisco area. She connected me with both the Giants and the A's. I actually got in on a uh, beat writer session in a suite with the uh, Giants uh, president of uh, baseball operations on Monday. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, it, you know, they, they just had them back to back managers lined up for 20 minute sessions. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, and I'm, I'm keeping track of who's making news. And, and at a certain point I'm, I'm starting to, you know, they can't talk about current free agents. So you start to almost fall asleep at a point. And at one point on Tuesday's schedule, it technically set open. The Blue Jays manager slid into that spot where I dared break away for a bathroom break. I come back and I'm seeing on social media that he he vaguely addressed the Otani reports. And I see that Dave Roberts and yes, I checked the odds for all the free agents and I saw the reports that the Dodgers were near the top of his list. So I made sure to get down front and get the front row, and I was shooting video, and Dave Roberts started talking and shocked all of us when he said, yeah, we met with him. And so I am immediately messaging Ron Blum, who is uh, the AP baseball writer extraordinaire. He knows all the ba- salary information. He knows everything. He, you know, he's, he's our guy who breaks the biggest news for baseball. And I'm messaging him uh, quotes, and I, I shoot him a couple of 30-second shots of video so he can pull more quotes. And then I'm feeding him more quotes about the meeting. And he's filing a story immediately for the for the world, since we cover the entire world as the world's largest and oldest news gathering organization. And I'm taking notes about what he's saying, sending them to Ron. And then as soon as Dave Roberts finishes, I am editing video and sending it to because I'm part of our SNTV video project. I'm sending it to our partners because we serve Asian markets and Shohei Itani huge, shocking. Uh, you know, at one point, you know, when it, it was insane, when Scott Boris, the agent talked, we knew he was talking Wednesday at 11 AM and had his own backdrop. He used an SNY equipment box to stand on. And the crowd must've been at least 10 deep. I'm short. So I got really up front. Bob Nightingale of USA Today managed to get kind of right behind him. Ron Blum got up in there and I'm shooting video for our SNTV people. But when he finished talking to the, you know, English speaking audience, 
let's just say then there was the Asian reporters who cover Otani, Yashimoto, you name it. They came in and he did another 10 minutes. So 40 minutes with Scott Boris talking about free agency. And, and I love the question. So we now know that the contract that the Dodgers gave Otani is $700 million over 10 years. Well, there was one reporter that asked uh, uh, Boris uh, about him. Now, Boris, you know, it's not his agent. He, it's not his guy. Uh, and so he answered it politely, but he was asked, so what are you hearing? 500 million, 600 million. And he, all he said was, I live near the angel stadium. I've watched him for six years. He is a really great talent. So he gave him an answer and, uh, you know, but, but it, it was so funny. The Chicago Cubs, I'm, I'm a Cubs fan, grew up a Cubs fan. They wouldn't let me join their media scrum because it's just their beat writers. And I'm like, excuse me, Associated Press, we have somebody at each of your events. I mean, we kind of count, you know, most folks count AP as a beat writer, even if they even if I'm not the person that's there yeah. regularly. So I, I was I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little mad at my Cubs, I'll just say. But it's, <laughs> you're, you know, so you have a schedule for the managers. There's GMs that talk. Uh a couple hours after the, uh, the managers talked on Tuesday, GMs were available. It was supposed to be in one of the presidential ballrooms. They ended up doing it at the back of the uh, the workroom for media, which was great. And again, down front for the Dodgers GM, who, um, be because of the rules, said, I cannot talk about current free agents. Were you surprised your manager did? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's lots of checking the schedule, trying yeah. to get involved with, uh, you know, the beat sessions if possible and see, you know, and just trying to monitor everything and be where you need to be. And it, it's kind of one-stop shopping because you had guys, GMs or, you know, baseball ops guys having sessions in suites, you know, guys talking in hallways, Gaylord Opryland hotel is perfect for that. And guys, Thank God. It's the last year of the contract. So I don't expect winter meetings to be back in Nashville ever because, uh, you know, it, it's just it's insane out there. It was crowded because you had people coming for the Christmas lights. Yep. Finding parking yep. was a challenge, yep. but it's a perfect place for it because you can go off into hallways, have conversations, disappear into a room. And it, it's just insane. Um, I got plenty of steps in. I'll just say that. <laughs> winter meetings is a great example of something that lands here you're the person but it obviously affects people all around the ap network other writers um other uh, other editors other sports how much contact and and, and tell me like the blum thing's a perfect example like you knew i got to get these quotes i got to get this video to to run here really quickly but like how much contact ahead of time for an event like that are you doing kind of reaching out to other people kind of within the ap network well uh we've got a baseball editor so you know he you know, he kind of alerted, hey, these are the people that we're going to have at winter meetings. Uh, my colleague, Janie, you know, I mean, she literally sent email and texts uh, to get me into their beat writer chain so that I could see when they were getting together for the for the Giants and the A's. Uh, when the Giants had a session on Tuesday, I couldn't go to that one because I was busy waiting to get the Dodgers GM who came in late at the GM session. So I couldn't break away because I had to get the, the Dodgers GM after what uh, his, his manager said. So uh, some of my colleagues were reaching out and, and feeding me information, you know, others because, well, it's also, it's, it's busy season for them, NBA, NFL, you know, some people sent me some background, uh, but it's, it, it, we, we have Slack channels. So it's like, yes, we're trying to communicate. I'm getting messages you know, while things are going on, I was getting some uh, Slack messages while Dave Roberts was talking, uh, you know, and it's like trying to communicate. Sometimes it would help if I were either an octopus or cloned, although <laughs> AP would still pay just one salary um, because you, you know, multitasking is an absolute must yep. when you're working for the Associated Press, it, without a doubt, uh, because for the first two days, I had Terry McCormick helping us uh, out there. And he's, he's going to different events, you know, because the way they split it up was great. They had one table for managers on one side of a hall wall 
and chairs. And then they had another one on the other side. So I was on one side, Terry was on the other. And Ron was just working the whole winter meetings because he has all these connections. And we're just, you know, and Terry and I are texting back and forth. Hey, he said this, is this worth something? Yes, that's worth a short story. And, you know, so, and, and, and the problem is they had them stacked up like airplanes landing at LaGuardia and it, trying to find time to literally write is yeah. a challenge at times. Um, all right. So, so, so through the lens of what the three of us believe, which is that th there is no appetite politically for building a stadium. There's no money for building a stadium. There's nobody with money to own the team. Um, there's no land to put the stadium with the, without the money, like all that stuff through the context and through the lens of like, this isn't happening. What is it that the national people outside of Nashville, what is it their perception? And, and some of these people can be inside baseball. Some of these can be media. I'm just curious. What, what is, what, what is the tea on why Nashville is so focused and so driven and, or, or why is it a part of the conversations? Does everybody outside the city and outside the market share like our sentiment that like, this is sort of a non non story. Like what, what, what is it that, how does baseball and how do other people view Nashville and baseball? Guys, I, I hate it. I don't know. It, it seems like Nashville remains its city because you see so many stories. That, that term's that been banned on the show. You're not allowed to yeah, say that. We, we'll bleep Crane it. City? We'll, we'll bleep it. Crane City? <laughs> Crane uh, City. Because it, it, it's still Crane City. Yeah. Nash, because of the Nashville Stars and Dave Stewart and these guys, you know, and Dave Dombrowski, I mean, he used to be with that group. He's now with the Phillies. I mean, they keep helping churn the, the, the talk that Nashville is trying to get an expansion franchise. I mean, my God, Rob Manfred has said that Nashville is on the expansion list. For a for a team. And it's like, well, wait a minute, where is the money coming from? There just seems to be a presumption outside of Nashville that if uh, Major League Baseball expands, well, of course, Nashville will do it. They'll come up with the money. And uh, it's like, wait a minute now, y'all, you need to see how Nashville's been tapped out. Have you seen the mass transit? We got none of that. Uh, the Titans have got the last drop of taxpayer bondage <laughs> that is going toward uh, athletic facilities at this point. Okay. B bondage is a good word for it. <laughs> uh, pretty much. There is no more money in Nashville, but that's the, they, they don't seem to be paying attention to that part. They're thinking so there's, there's not even like an off the record moment. And I'm not asking for names here because I don't care, but there's not like an off the record moment where you talk with somebody in the hallway, like you're talking about down and they're all like, yeah, we know it's not going to happen. Like, is there not ever that admission from anybody outside of Nashville? No, because they it, it, it's almost like they're trying to if you talk it, it will happen. OK, to steal from Field of Dreams. It's like so I don't know where this magic pot of money for a stadium is going to come. But I also remember once upon a time being told that when they built the new sound stadium, oh, it can be retrofitted. It can be expanded to be a Major League Baseball stadium. I'm like, where? Even when they were building it, it's like, are you kidding me? And so it's like. Sometimes people can talk themselves into thinking something until it absolutely doesn't happen. And guys, who knows? Maybe you know, I mean, you know, there, there's racing once again at the Nashville Super Speedway. So I never thought that would happen again. So maybe it's Rutherford or Wilson or Williamson County. Maybe there, maybe it's one of the ring counties that steps up and says, "Well, we'll spend the taxpayer money and build that." Um, I, I don't see it happening. I certainly don't see it happening before I retire. And so, you know, it's going to be the 2030s before if Major League Baseball comes Middle Tennessee, that's the decade we're looking at. And I used to think it would be 2025, but with the Titans getting all that money for their new stadium, uh-uh. What was the buzz like at the meetings last week? Because the, the White Sox kind of perpetuated uh, – perpetuated a story about Reinsdorf meet, meeting with uh meeting with Mayor O'Connell and, and and them kind of it was it was it was a great piece of bullshit because because they were like they met we don't know what they talked about kind of thing and then they just let sort of Chicago media go nuts with is Reinsdorf trying to move the team or whatever else how do you how do you have to react to something like that or do you or, or do you even kind of poke on that uh from from the inside there i'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole okay <laughs> i mean and, and i got a feeling that freddie uh the new mayor gave him the same answer that uh 
you know, Braden mentioned earlier. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it feels like Nashville is being used like Bud Adams used Jacksonville back yeah. in the 90s. Uh, you know, I'm going to go tour Jacksonville. I'm going to go see that. I might relocate my team. And, and, and Chicago's dealing with all sorts of issues because the Bears are trying to maybe move to Arlington. Uh, and I'm still not sure that deal ever gets done. But that's the thing. It, it's called being used as bait. And hopefully uh, the new mayor uh, focuses. There's enough that he's got on his hands at this moment. Please, God, let's figure out mass transit first. OK, yeah, yeah. let's you know, I mean, I, I, I time my day around. I mean, let's put it this way. Waze. Uh, it's a good thing I've got unlimited data on my cell phone because Waze <laughs> helps me find new ways around Nashville to get to events uh, because for hockey and basketball, when I have to travel through yep. rush hour, yep. oh my God, trash! <laughs> uh, I mean, traffic has become trash because you can't go anywhere. And Lord, if there's any kind of precipitation, you better leave now. Well, uh, well, I, I did like that Freddie O'Connell, the mayor, didn't even put out his own statement. He was like, "Alex, you can handle this one for me." <laughs> <laughs> the deputy Don't director. The de deputy director of comms, just repeat what I said uh, like three weeks ago to the press. Uh, all right. So try to give people a sense of like, what do you think your schedule will be like? Let's say uh, like, is it busier last week because of the winter meetings or is it busier? Let's say end of December, you got college football playoffs, college basketball. You've got NBA. You've got NHL hockey with the Preds. You've got Lady Vols. You got. I mean, I'm I'm missing. I'm sure I'm missing a million things. Racing is not quite up until February. So, I, when, when is, is this actually? Is December the busiest time for you? Is it January? You have all these different sports overlapping. What what is the actual time of the year where you're like, oh my god, this is this is the most I'm ever doing? That started uh, when NHL training camp opened because two weeks after that in September, uh, the first Monday of October, you had NBA media days. Uh, let's put it this way. My boss is asking for a January schedule by Wednesday. And it's like, oh, my God, I've got to look ahead to January. Uh, I'm waiting for the top 25 men's poll today because Memphis won on the road against Texas A&M, a ranked team. So they may they've been receiving votes. They may be in the top 25. Uh, John Morant's preparing to return. His suspension's about to end. I'm making plans for that. Uh, trying to find out, will he talk in Memphis? Because his 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 26th game, the game he can return to, is the second game of a back road back to back road game swing at New Orleans. So I'm, I'm trying to make sure we're prepared for that. I've got a not a bad road trip. Not a bad road trip. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go on that road trip, but I might be no, I, I might be making a trip to Memphis later this week. So I am almost at a point where it's day to day. I've got to book my travel to uh, Europe uh, by next Monday because I'm covering the Paris Olympics and Humble I'm, I'm going to be seventh <laughs> one. Yes, humble brag. I'll be helping cover basketball. Um, and I've, because I want to take a few days off before that and use the airplane ticket, I'm trying, I've got to, I've got to figure out where I'm going in Europe. So any tips for Barcelona, send them to me. I, uh, I have, I have thoughts for you. Thank you. DM them to me, email me, let me know because, uh, <laughs> I'm taking about three to four days because all my friends are already going to Europe earlier. My husband has no desire, but that's the thing. I, I and the NFL did me no, no help here at all because four of the final six games at home i mean seriously i've got two back-to-back <laughs> -back home games uh then there was a road game then back-to-back -back home games it's like thank you nfl um and then yes the tennessee balls men's side they're ranked already they're coming off a big win over illinois so it's like i am i feel like i've got 15 plates in the air and i'm trying to keep them spinning without one of them crashing because that's my job is to know what's going on at any given moment in the state of Tennessee. Well, I, I asked that question and I wanted to have you on at this time to get, give people a sense of your schedule, maybe create a little empathy for you. And then you went and said, I'm getting paid to go to Paris. So you can't. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> what, what, so Not Paris, Tennessee, Paris, France. <laughs> in, in that schedule, what do you think? What's like the heat seeking missile? Like what, what, which one of those do you think is like the potential to be like, a month from now or two months from now, just kind of like wreck your schedule. Like shit, the lady Vols got really good or no, Mike Vrabel gets fired is what it would be. Well, okay. I know on that because and he's not, I, and it's not, it's not going to happen by the way. I'm just I, saying like, thank that's... you. 
No, the, the, the one thing that I am worried the most about is because of what's happened since uh, since March, John Moran. I mean, you know, there's a reason Adam Silver gave him a 25 game timeout. OK, let's be honest. And so very curious to see how he handles coming back, what he does. That team is near the bottom of the Western Conference after being number two in the West each of the last two years. I mean, they've been, you know, injuries have just wrecked that roster. Uh, he comes back. Some of these other players like Marcus Smart return. Then that's a team that could go on a run. And, you know, and trust me, I'm hoping Josh stays away from social media for the rest of the year and the rest of the season but that's the thing that is the that I'm kind of like dodging you know what's going on today I mean literally guys <laughs> March 4th I was packing my bags finishing up a ski trip in Telluride when I look at my phone and see hey there this is on social media from a strip club in Denver about the Grizzlies John Morant mm -hmm. who's in position to handle and I had to say guys I'm traveling all day peace out yeah well, Teresa, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, I do. I, I do want to. I do want to uh, indulge here just one one bit here at the end. Um, you you had a you had a background up here uh, a few minutes ago that had uh, had the AP Guild. Where where uh, we had talked about this before? Kind of where is the AP uh, and, and uh, the Guild contract negotiations and kind of. How do you sort of see things going? Well, we are into our second year of negotiating, and we finally got our first true economic offer in August. And part of that was uh, they wanted to – their first proposal was eliminating Olympic overtime. And I was one of two – What? I know. I was one of two people, one of the two AP sports writers who joined our bargaining committee in a Zoom session to uh, fight back against that. And it was quickly dropped because I made very clear. I mean, they almost had to stop me and tell me, Teresa, they're going to ask you a question now uh, because I made it clear. The, the, the glamour of covering the Olympics ends the moment you land in the city because you're working 16 to 22 hour days. I didn't have a hot shower in Rio for three weeks. I had to install my own toilet seat in Rio uh, in 2016. And I mean, you know, so it's like, I, there was no, there's sometimes there's no food at some of the venues because, you know, they're not thinking of the media there. Even in Korea, when I was covering women's hockey, they didn't have buns for the hot dogs and they started giving away free ramen <laughs> limit one per day the last week at the uh, women's hockey venue, because, you know, they were trying to make sure we were fed. So, and, it, but we're, we're negotiating. There was a little bit of a delay due to illness in, in, in November. They're back negotiating. So hoping we get something soon. Uh, these usually take a year and a half-ish. So I'm hoping we get something early in 2024. Um, but it's a little disappointing because their initial offer was a 2% raise. And it's like, excuse me, did you miss inflation over the last few years? So if you look at my social media and you see my handle and my backdrops, my, my background profile pictures... Yes, I am repping the uh, AP News Media Guild because I'm a proud union member and uh, fighting for a harder, bigger contract. I deserve it. Yes, yes, you do. Uh, based on your schedule here, absolutely. Teresa, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for your perspective and, and talking about Frank. I know it's hard for everybody. And uh, obviously, keep up the good work, and we'll see you around out there. Thank you, guys. And I might rest for two days before I go to, to Europe. So there you go. All right. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, T. My pleasure. That was Teresa Walker, Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, look, if you're going to be a Hall of Famer, uh, I think everybody who's ever been a Hall of Famer in anything has probably earned it. There is nobody in sports media in the state of Tennessee that has earned it more. Still than, earning it. Than Teresa Walker still grinding. Uh, again, concerned about having to be covering a Lady Vols game one night and the Tennessee Volunteers and the and the, the Vanderbilt Commodores and the Tennessee Titans and the Nashville Predators, and then make sure that she's got John Morant on lock as well. I was so, going to say, make I mean, Teresa's my, I, I for for fun we should we should have her go back and pull her mileage records at some point, uh, just because they are they are they are substantial. I'd like to know. I'm I'm checking now as we like live produce the show here. The Bristol Motor Speedway race. Uh, there's two. Of course, there's a night race and I think a day race. I think I'm not sure. Um, we need some racing experts to 
I, I wonder if there's an overlap of the Memphis Grizzlies season and one of the races at Bristol. That's a good question. And I'd you know, like to because that's the longest possible sports drive in the in the in the state would be from Tri Cities, Bristol, Tennessee, to Memphis, Tennessee, or vice versa. Every every politician uh, that's run statewide in Tennessee because it because it flows off the tongue. They always like to say the same thing that they're competing from Memphis to Mountain City. Well. <laughs> Teresa has actually driven from Memphis to Mountain City. Uh, okay, let me see here. I, I've got to find. Uh, it looks like the Weather Guard truck race is March 16th. That would absolutely overlap. And then the Food City 500, Sunday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. No free shouts. Um, but you, I'm assuming that there's a Grizzlies home game somewhere around there. <laughs> I'm sure there is. <laughs> oh, man. I'd love to. I don't want to make you do it, Teresa, but I'd like to see you do it. <laughs> uh, okay. I just want, again, I just want to see the uh, I just want to see the mile, the mileage uh, reimbursement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, like each year, holy smokes. Okay, so uh, story from A to Z Sports from the winter meetings. MLB to Nashville feels imminent, and Sam Phelan, of course, is the writer. I'm going to read a couple of passages here. Um, one. That says, according to the players, executives, and managers I spoke with from around Major League Baseball at the 2023 winter MLB winter meetings, there is a growing sense in the baseball world that Nashville's next big addition could be the first MLB expansion franchise since 1998. That, I assume, is a true, well-reported statement. Steve, it is missing a touch of context. You think? <laughs> first of all, we Read like Sam. Headline. We like Steve. We like Sam. Okay. We do like Sam. Read okay. the headline again. Read for, just for the fan, just for the fans at home. Read the headline again. <laughs> From the winter meetings: colon, MLB to Nashville feels imminent. What's the verb there? Uh, feels. Feels. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. There well, is Sam that... doesn't. Sam doesn't write the headline, right? Uh, writers, writers don't write the headline. You know that. Whoever whoever at A to Z wrote this knows that there is no actual information in this story about operationally a franchise coming to Nashville. I love watching it's not there. I love watching you talk about baseball. <laughs> it's not there. There's nothing in this story. And 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 I say this to the I say this to the fine quarter zip that triggered me with this story <laughs> by putting it in my go text. To, go to Jasper's. Uh, there is nothing in this story from a person who may, is making a decision whether they w are buying the team or giving the franchise to to a to a Nashville operator. Nothing. There's nothing from Major League Baseball. There's nothing from any billionaire about about buying a team and moving it to Nashville or an expansion piece. There's just not. There's so, a lot of quotes from from some Nashville Stars guys in there, and those are about as those are about as 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 valuable as you know the paper it's printed on. Um. Yes, is the internet, Steve. Uh, so here's the other quote: Maybe the most exactly. important, maybe the most important thing when assessing these potential expansion cities is the city itself. A host city needs to have a strong TV market, tourism, booming business industries, and infrastructure, among other things. Nashville checks a lot, if not all, of those boxes. Again, everything in that sentence very much true. However, it does not include the things you actually need to acquire a Major League Baseball stadium, which is a capital B billionaire with probably a billion-dollar expansion fee, a billion dollars to build a stadium, and another billion to operate the team. You need land, and you need a political appetite amongst the neighborhoods and or council-slash-mayor's office to approve all of this stuff. S something, something None which of which the, they have. Something so. which the Stars found out this week when when Brandon Taylor, uh, the the district 28 council member, I think it's district 28 uh, council member held a uh, held a public uh, neighborhood meeting with the stars folks to talk about potentially doing this. And what happened? The stars came in and talked aspirationally about what they want to do. 
and some real questions started being asked and they didn't have great answers and and the well, it would help the, if the council member was there for the full event but well i mean it's not his thing he was did, he he was calling the meeting for okay, okay. for the stars to be able to talk to district the 20, district 21 by the way district 21 and i, I it is just Again, this is kind of it. This is kind of typical of the stars, you know, talking about aspirations and talking about stuff that they want to do when they don't actually have the means to do it. Period. Full stop. Yep. And we've talked about this. You've said it a gazillion times on the show. Nate Rao has reported it as well. I've talked about this. Like, you need a capital B billionaire. And Bill Haslam, Jimmy Haslam, who owns a bunch of sports teams, that's the name that almost always comes to mind as as an example of a person that could could do this sort of at the turn of a key. They just made eight plus billion dollars off like the sell of half of like pilot industries or pilot flying pilot J flying to, J to, to Berkshire to, Hathaway, to Berkshire yeah. Hathaway and, and um, um, why am I drawing a total blank now on Warren Buffett? And yep. so it like, there's still a dispute about selling the rest of it, but they're, they're, they're worth enough money to write a check for all of it. They own, you know, as brothers, uh, Bill Haslam is about to be the majority owner of the Nashville predators. So he's entering into the sports world here in Nashville uh, Jimmy owns the Browns uh, and a, I think an MLS team as well as purchasing a, an NBA team. The, so like the, the newly the newly crowned Columbus crew. Yeah, easy there and behaved exactly like it, uh, like people from Columbus. Um, I think what's what's interesting is like, again, I, we use those names because A, they have the money and the resources, but B, they have the knowledge and the working knowledge of the space itself. They understand how it works to own uh, sporting franchises. So if somebody like that puts out a press release or has a quote or is cited as saying, I mean, or if, I mean, I know Rob Manfred at, at major league baseball has clearly mentioned Nashville very vaguely when he sort of mentions everybody, uh, it, whether it's Montreal or, you know, whatever they, he mentions a lot of different places, but uh, again, I, I think there's a, and Teresa echoed this sentiment, everyone at the winter meetings, the people that are talking to Sam on this, they all see it. They all like it. They all love it. It's it's all energy and momentum. But there's nothing. It's there's no substance there. There's no de there's no actual concrete ability to do anything to bring a baseball stadium. And nothing in the story is wrong about in terms of what you know. Like yes, the the, the sounds are the number one ticket selling uh, entity in minor league baseball. Yes, there's been professional baseball for a long time in the city of Nashville. Yes, there's a lot of forces that would like to see. Major League Baseball, and to your point, none of them have the ability to make it happen, including the organization attempting to make it happen. One hundred percent correct. Uh, the the oh, other thing that's like in that. there is, is is Sam. Sam has the Reinsdorf stuff down in down the bottom of it. Uh, uh, the White Sox leverage. Uh, yeah, there there are, there are some other people on this podcast network um, who maybe. Uh, like to troll uh, people with, you know, new gear from the White Sox to to rep. I, I don't uh, know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm here to tell you, the White Sox are never coming to Nashville. They're not. They're not. Exactly. No, I agree. Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf is using Nashville. That's all there is to it, folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They are not coming to Nashville. Baltimore, Period. but the Orioles were never coming to Nashville. <laughs> Orioles were never coming. The Rays have gotten a stadium out of this. They're, they were like, never coming. The Athletics were never coming. <laughs> I mean, if if baseball was coming to Nashville, and it absolutely could, given the right circumstances, uh, that's like one of the first times I've ever heard you say that. By the way, no, I've always said this. I mean, when, when a when a when a capital B billionaire shows up and and says, "I want to write a check." For the expansion fee and for the stadium and for the operational costs it's going to take to be successful yeah. in this league, yeah. great yeah, city but, infra city infrastructure for years and years and years and years. Um, let me let me and and this is what I thought was also great because Mayor O'Connell met with 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 the owner of the White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf, and of course, if you don't know, didn't even issue the statement itself. He just let his deputy communications director put out the statement where he said, yeah, he basically told Jerry the same thing he's told everybody else. And I'm going to paraphrase here. Earmuffs kids ain't fucking happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the appetite the, and Reinsdorf knows the appetite appetite for public public funding down here is squadoosh. Um, but Good word. I like that. But to his credit, the White Sox people were able to get several days of 
some kind of you know some kind of story ginned up in uh in chicago great work on their part yeah awesome get people talking about the socks and the need for stadium and whatever else and you know go do what you do buddy but it ain't it ain't happening in nashville and all that's all that stuff happened to take place while the winter meetings were in nashville what shocking no way shocking optics folks optics yeah. the word feels the world the word feels is in that headline and that's all you need to know <laughs> right now right now uh baseball to nashville is a vibe and that's about it <laughs> that's exactly right it's running on vibes <laughs> go right. buy your white Sox hats all right while the vibes are good <laughs> it's vibes all right uh that's enough of you shitting on people's baseball dreams <laughs> you're way to go baseball I'm, santa i'm Just sorry dropping lumps mark? of coal <laughs> <laughs> into everyone's baseball stockings uh okay all right uh thank you to Teresa walker for for joining us here we do appreciate it and uh obviously number 89 one of a kind one of a kind um so thinking about the family and all you titans fans that enjoyed frank watching i, I, I do course. i do want to say too that i appreciate the the job that uh the abc espn guys did uh with why check in the in the broadcast Thought they did a. I thought it was a classy kind of kind of move that that they, they did. They did it both on the on the Manning cast and on the and on the regular broadcast, like a small tribute to to Wycheck. I just thought it was it was it was a classy thing to do. So recommendations this week are just going to be like, hey, help out the folks of Hendersonville, Clarksville, and and uh, Madison, but do it smartly. Pay attention to the websites. Pay attention to the government issued information. Ta- pay attention that- to the mayors. NashvilleResponse.com is where you yep. can is where you can start. That's the consolidated effort between the Community Foundation, the United Way, and others. Um, uh, it's from a it's from a, an umbrella group called VOAD, uh, which is an acronym just for all of these volunteer organizations that step in to help out in times of in times of uh, of, of disaster relief. Uh, and and I think that. Um, if you their hands on Nashville is a part of that effort as well. They issued a call for volunteers this week. Uh, if you if you want to get involved, and there's lots of work to be done, particularly in terms of debris cleanup, start at NashvilleResponse.com. It's a great place to go. And here's what you here's what you need to do. You need to coordinate it with the people that are running the cleanup to make sure that you bring what they need when they need it. That's exactly so, right. It, do what you do not need to do, and we talked to the uh, the, the the previously aforementioned White Sox fan, and I uh, spoke to uh, Joe Pitts, the mayor of Clarksville. Really good interview with the Clarksville mayor, yeah. Over on Pod Bless Nashville. So if you want to get a sense of what they need and how to get involved in a smart and efficient way, go listen to that. Uh, again, despite the fact that he's a diehard White Sox fan, don't worry about that. Just focus on the, the what the mayor had to say. Uh, and so, uh, again. There's ways to do it correctly, and one of the worst possible ways is to drive up there, clog up traffic by taking your Instagram videos. Quit that shit. Stop driving up there and and doing disaster sort of like voyeurism. Like stop that. It's it's it's. I dealt with it in 2020. Could not get to friends and family because all the roads were jammed up with people driving slowly, looking at people cleaning up their lives. Don't do that shit. And I assume most of you listening to this show don't and understand that. But but if you're gonna drive somewhere, do something when you're there. Don't don't just drive through and rubberneck. It's absolutely absurd. Offended. I'm offended by it. It's ridiculous, uh, etc. Now I will say this to wrap up the show. Special thanks to Jasper. Special thanks to Teresa. Of course, sign up at the Nashville Banner. Great story by you guys on all the damage in Madison. So go check that out. Um, but here's what I will say. I do not. I'm not a particularly religious person, Steve. Uh, it's not 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 exactly top of my resume, but. I don't I, I I think the last four minutes of the Titans game and what Will Levis accomplished and how he did it, <laughs> I do not think it is a coincidence that zero times in the history of the NFL had this particular thing happened. A Titans comeback in the final three minutes down by two touchdowns on the same weekend that Middle Tennessee was ravaged by tornadoes and lost a beloved player in Frank Wycheck. And then to see what they did on Monday night. Again, not a religious person, Steve, but I don't think it's a coincidence. Maybe I'm crazy, but maybe I think the context around the comeback is also important to remember. So thanks to Jaspers. Thanks to Teresa. For Steve Cavendish, I am Braden Gall. Uh, Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.